In this country, some truths aren't self-evident. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, a collection of stories as wide-ranging and real as the people who tell them, we celebrate the Black experience for all its soul and richness. Search NPR Black Stories, Black Truths wherever you get podcasts. Hey, welcome to the Michelle Mission, two men, one podcast, every black film ever made. My name is Len, a.k.a. The Bat Tribble. And as always, even in 2024, I am joined by my partner. Hey, it's Vincent Williams. Happy New Year, missionary. Happy New Year. We are back with a whole new year of reviews for you as we will begin our countdown to episode 400. Woo! Oh boy. Oh boy. And we just found out another milestone. This is our 40th episode here at Young Junk in Manny Young, PA. 40 episodes in living color. Amen. And tonight we have a very, very special film for you. And we'll tell you why. In a moment, this film from 1999, starring Steve Martin, starring Eddie Murphy, is so special. It is Bowfinger, mm. Vincent's selection for tonight's stop on the Michaud Mission, streaming live, as I mentioned, from Yunk Junk to all points north, south, east, and west, including Facebook and YouTube, where mm-hmm. each and every one of you are out there in the chat. Hello, missionaries. Good evening, one and all. Vincent, how are you doing? I am friend? great. It has been too damn long since too I long. laid eyes too on Too long, too long. But here we are, well-rested. And here we okay, are. Okay, easy. Oh. <laughs> that was real loud, real quick. <laughs> Excited. I know. I know, but I'm good. How are you? I am. Just excited. 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 You just said that. Yeah, yeah. We just covered that. I am very excited. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good Um, to be here. How was your New Year's? Quiet. 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 Did you make it to midnight? Barely. (laughs) Like, barely. Were you... You weren't in the bed at No, 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 no. Everybody was up on... and, And, you know, we watched, but... But yeah, then it was like, all right. <laughs> all right. All right. Yeah. Yeah. And yourself? I'll see y'all later. Yeah. <laughs> um, we had a good time. I, uh, I have a young nephew who mm-hmm. actually, his birthday was on December 31st. Nice. So the family got together celebrating with him. And then I went back to my place and celebrated with uh, my partner. And we had a beautiful time. Nice. It was very, very lovely. Excellent. Excellent. It was very, very lovely. Nice that you brought in the new year the way you want the year to go. Yeah. But you know, one strange thing that I noticed. What is that? Because uh, tuned in. I think it's almost like muscle memory now. And mm-hmm. You can correct me if I'm wrong, missionaries. For people to, if you, if you are home or or have a TV near, mm-hmm. to have the TV on for the dropping of the the ball, famously sure. in New like, York, New Year's on uh, Times Square mm-hmm. in New York. But noticing this this year, and it may have happened years earlier, the ball looks completely different. Because the lights, years ago, 
He mm-hmm. used to be like this bejeweled, like star mm-hmm. almost looking thing. But now they're all LED lights. Mm. And it's not, it's not the same energy. Doesn't feel the same. Doesn't feel the same. Didn't yeah. feel as, as special for me. Yeah. I can see that. So anyway. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't notice. What I noticed is always people, it's always people performing and I have no idea who they are. Oh, you would have known this one person. Say, like, who are these people? Because I don't know where, I, I guess, you know, Dick Clark, God rest his soul, is no mm-hmm. longer here. Yes. But they want to still try and represent his era. Okay. So singing right before midnight mm-hmm. was Paul Anka. You know what? I saw Paul Anka. Paul? And I said, where the hell did they find Paul Anka? That's what I said. Now, mind you, it was about 30 degrees out there. Yeah. He had on a nice wool coat. Right. Now, Paul Anka definitely asked them, just put me here. I'm not moving. And he stood there. I mean, I ain't mad at him. And then he was just with the hands. Right. The hands were going. And he was, he was, do it my way. Yeah. That was it. All night, all night with the hands. And his face was blue. I mean. Because he refused to wear a hat. I mean, you know, you're performing. It's and he's cold. like, he's 90. He's got to be. Eight and a half years He's got to be. I mean. God I, bless him. And God bless him. He didn't look bad for I mean, 98 look, and a half. Man. You know. But it was weird. It's weird. You would, it's not what I expected. It's like, Paul Anka, am I in the Matrix? <laughs> It was, it was weird. Like, did they load the wrong disc? That's what I thought. Yeah, but, but right. yeah, there you go. It was there. Uh, speaking of jumping into the Wayback Machine. Yes. Over the holidays, mm-hmm. I actually went to the movies. Okay. Sat in the theater. Yeah, oh yeah. Lounge back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Enjoying the... I, I, I can no longer eat pretzel bites, but I was still chilling. Okay, did I miss? Why can't you? I, I can't. I can't. I know you said they're not fresh sometimes, but I thought there was a theater that you went to that they were fresh. There, There is, but that theater is not always accessible because it's right in the heart of downtown Philadelphia. Okay. So now most theaters I go to have these pretzel bites that I can't eat. Because they're stale. They, they're stale. Yeah. They just don't, they don't agree with me. They don't they're agree with you. Yeah, okay. Right. See, I pay attention. Oh, right. Thank you. I mean, I may or may not be keeping notes for when I'm, <laughs> when I'm one of the participants in the Netflix documentary in 10 years about you being a serial killer. But, so I was in the theaters. In the theater, not eating. Not eating. Oh, pretzel bites. <laughs> I need pretzel bites. Uh-huh. Um, watching The Color Purple. Yeah. The, yeah. The, the adaptation yeah. of the musical. Yeah. Yeah, color purple, right, 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 right. Which um, has been in the news a little bit it, because it, of it, Taraji P. Henson. It, 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 I mean, it, in all fairness, it's not just Taraji P. Henson. Like it's a, it seems like it's a little. Oh, I haven't. I've it's, only heard it's, her. You know, Danielle Brooks talked about the the food issue and oh, really? And um, I think the little sister who played Young Sealy mm-hmm. with just put some slick stuff on TikTok. About how she wasn't invited to the Golden Globes, and it's it's you know yeah 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 yeah. Well, what did you think about the movie? 
I enjoyed the movie. Okay. I I enjoyed the movie. Um, I had seen the musical adaptation on stage. Okay. So I recognized that this adaptation, which if you've seen the original movie, mm-hmm. sticks to a lot of the same story beats. <sighs> um, but it, I think it, it gives... The character Seely more agency and more prominence in the story. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was wondering whether or not the movie would also ring true with that, and I felt that it did. Okay. Um, I I got a soft a, a soft spot for Fantasia. Sure. And did you see Fantasia on stage? No. When you saw uh, no, it? no, because I she had already left the left when I saw it. I okay. saw it when it came to Philly. Okay. So, but you didn't see Cynthia Riva. No, I did not see okay. Cynthia. Okay, all right, go ahead. Cynthia Riva. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed I, I enjoyed most of the performances. Um, mm-hmm. well, let's, let's put it this way. I actually enjoyed enjoyed all of the performances. I don't know how many of them really rang true. Like, I love Coleman Domingo as an actor. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I felt the <clears throat> same bite from him as Mr. Sure. As Danny Glover. You mentioned Danielle Brooks. To me, she steals the movie. I I, I 100% agree. She steals the movie. That's right, because you saw it. Yeah, too. I saw it too. I was like, let you. you but, and and um, I, I, I enjoyed it. There, there were some, some iffy points. I, I did feel my memory is that the play not only gives Celie more agency, but actually it really depicts more of the relationship between Seely and Suge mm-hmm. than certainly the original movie, which was so many years ago sure, that they sure. really just didn't have the leeway to, to do that. Yeah, yeah. The time. Yeah, there's there's actually a um interview floating around from around that time where Whoopi Goldberg says that. Yeah, basically she's, she's like nineteen eighty four, we couldn't. We couldn't do it. Yeah. But, um mm-hmm. but they could do it in the in the play. Mm-hmm. And there is, they do uh, depict that more in this movie adaptation. My memory is that that it's it's a hit a little bit harder mm-hmm. in the in the on the stage than it is in the film, and I would have liked to see that a little bit more explored. But overall, I enjoyed. It. I thought I thought it it's an amazing looking movie. Uh, yeah. It's a beautiful film. Yeah. Uh, so I enjoyed it. What what were your thoughts? On that? I mean, you know, I thought it was solid. Mm-hmm. Overall solid. I, I think you you may have enjoyed it more than I did. I, I thought a sliver more, maybe because okay. I think we have similar similar reactions to it. I thought um, it's a beautiful film. Yeah, you know, and and you know, we always like a well funded black film. Um, Daniel Brooks, much like you, I think far and away, kind of steals the movie. I love Corey Hawkins. Could have had more Corey Hawkins. I could have had more Corey Hawkins. And frankly, I think Corey Hawkins and his depiction of Harpo is the biggest corrective Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. the 1984 movie. Because I've always said one of the decisions that I've always disagreed with is making Harpo the comic relief. Yeah. Yeah. Because that really kind of undermines one of the big themes in the book that that Harpo is the bravest man in the book because he breaks this generational breaks cycle, cycle yes. of these abusive men. And his father 
was too much of a coward mm -hmm. to be with Shug Avery. And then Harpo is brave enough to be with the woman he loves. And along those lines, I thought Corey Hawkins and Daniel Brooks's chemistry and everything was glorious. Um, I don't have a soft spot for Fantasia, but I also felt a little bad for Fantasia because I do think Whoopi Goldberg's Sealy is is one of the greatest performances of the late 20th century. And like, you can't help but... Like, it's one of the greatest... Like, like in, in the fact that anyone... Like, I really thought it was a poison chalice from the very beginning. Mm -hmm. it, it's like um, a couple of years ago when, appropriately enough, Steven Spielberg remade West Side Story. Yeah. And I said this when we talked about it. I thought Ariana uh, Debussy was great. But... Rita Moreno was perfect. Mm -hmm. So no matter how good you are, you're not going to be as good as perfect. Mm -hmm. And I thought Fantasia was okay. Like I thought she was solid kind of going to, and, and you know, and you hate to, you hate to ascribe the stuff happening outside the film to what happened in the film. Mm -hmm. But even before all this these stories and things came out. You and I talked about it a little bit last week where I have to say my disappointment because I had so many great expectations was with Taraji P. Henson. Like I thought she did okay. Mm -hmm. But when I heard she was cast as Shug Avery, I thought she was going to kill it. Like this was going to like, be her moment. Like I thought this would like, like she's, this is it right here. Mm -hmm. And I just felt like the energy was a little off. And 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 ultimately, like I thought it was solid. I think everyone should go see it. I frankly I think you have to see it. Like, like I think if you're interested in this podcast, if you're interested in black film, the color purple in all of its iterations, you need to know. Like this is one of the most important texts in black culture. Mm -hmm. Full stop. So you got to know about it. It's a solid film, but I don't know how much I would revisit it if I ever have the choice between this and the original one, which is always my challenge to remakes. Yeah. Which do you go? Right. And, and it's very and, few. And we've talked about this. Like there are very like like you make this remake. And the question is. Do you justify your existence? Mm hmm. And I don't know if this does for me. See, that that's, see, yeah, yeah. Because I was of that mindset with the musical adaptation. I was like, oh, they're making this a musical for Broadway. And even, like, really? even, even that, I never really understood how the story of rape and beatings and well, degradation I mean, th that is fodder for drama. No, not drama. I just but for, for musical. How much we needed a dance number? I, I hear you. So, but you know, people but, seem people seem to like it. I didn't see it, I, and, and I did yeah. see it, and yeah, I felt yeah, that yeah. okay, it justified it. Okay, it, it all right. did it. But, but I I can maybe see your point, yeah, and I didn't too. see it on stage. Like even if like obviously it's a different energy, totally different. on stage, to totally. Different. So you know, I didn't see it on stage. But yeah, yeah. But uh, it was it was it was interesting. I did see. I'm trying to think. Now that I think about it. I did see this during the break. Okay. And I don't think we mentioned it on the show. 
Yeah, okay. Then I finally saw Pearly Victorious. Hi, whoa, whoa. Now, yeah, now that's now that's a thing right there. Yeah, Pearly Victorious. That's a thing. That's a thing right there. Pearly Victorious. That was a fun show. Mm-hmm. That was a fun show. How you like my girl? Oh. How you like my girl? Carrie Young. She, the second she opens her mouth oh with that voice. <laughs> Reverend Pearly. Reverend Pearly. Reverend Pearly. Oh, <laughs> my God. Oh, my God. Carrie Young. On the floor, dog. She was absolutely amazing. Everybody's great in, in it. Right, and, absolutely. And Leslie is, 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 is phenomenal Look. in it because he, I mean, he is asked to deliver like some eight minute long monologues while moving all around the stage. I'm, I'm sure he's one of the 70 bazillion cast members of Hamilton that won a Tony. And rightfully so. Right. Man. So yeah, that was yeah. But Car- but Kara Young steals that thing. Man. I know. She absolutely steals it. Oh my god, it was so it was so mm-hmm. good. It was so good. And I don't know if you saw, but um later when we left the theater waiting to see everybody come come out, which was a challenge for us because we had to make the train. One of the stars of American fiction was there. Oh, Oh, which star was that? That would be the lovely Erica Alexander. All right, now was waiting outside. It's always good to have an Erica Alexander sighting. Oh, it was, it was delightful. Yes, yes, excellent. Because not only did beautifully she remembered being on my on my radio show, nice. and we talked about that. But I learned that she is the birthday twin of my partner. So those two were guffawing about it. She went to our same high school in Philadelphia. So we joked about that. Nice. And then she said, well, we got to take a picture as if we would have looked when we were on the prom. So I took a picture with her as if we were on the prom. And then you said you should come on the Michelle mission, right? I'm trying to get her. Nice. Trying to get her in for the Michelle mission. Nice. We, We talked about American fiction on here, right? We've talked about okay, it. Okay, yeah, we've yeah. We've talked about it. And it's a great, if you haven't seen it. See American Fiction, see fantastic. American Everybody fiction. is great. Mm-hmm. See American mm-hmm. Fiction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she's great in it. Oh, she's absolutely fantastic. She, she's fantastic in it, yeah. She's, at, oh, you want to talk about another funny movie. That's a. Oh, yeah. That's a good movie. Yeah. American Fiction. That yeah. That's a good movie. Right. Speaking, speaking of funny, I guess we, we are contractually bound to mention Cat Williams. Yes, Cat Williams. Yeah, right. So, so we have to mention Cat Williams. Who was. And uh, his. Apparently, he Festivus came late for him because he had an airing of grievances. He had an airing of grievances. I don't know if there were feats of strength, but there were certainly airings of grievances. I don't know. Is that an airing of grievances or was that diarrhea of grievances? <laughs> airing of all. <laughs> What did uh, dude's father say? I got a lot to say to you people. <laughs> dude, if you don't know, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> the comedian Cat Williams was a guest on the uh, Shannon Sharp show, Club Shay Shay, mm-hmm. um, where 
basically Shannon Sharp says, so Cat, how you doing? And that was it. <laughs> we were off and running because Cat Williams. Let me tell you about these motherfuckers. <laughs> let me tell you about these. You just sat there and let these people just lie to you. Oh my goodness. And he goes in on Ricky Smiley. He goes in on Cedric the Entertainer. He goes he goes in on Steve Harvey. He goes in on a lot of people. Oh my. And in his defense, from what I understand, I don't know this because I'm not a Shannon. Like, I just kind of see the clips every now and then. Okay. Apparently, these are people who had said things they about were, him previously on Shannon Sharp's show. Right. They, they had mentioned they had mentioned right. Cat Williams. Right. And they're not necessarily, if, if I remember, uh, because I didn't see the Ricky Smiley interview, mm-hmm. but I did see the Cedric and Entertainer mm-hmm. interview. Not necessarily in a disparaging way. But at all. But they... As Cat Williams said, since they took license to have my name cross their lips. Sure, sure. I'm here to set it straight. So for those of you keeping a list, I don't know if it's a list with just two names. We should probably keep a running list. Will Smith's wife. (laughs) Cat Williams. Everybody, we need to be, we, we want to settle it like gentlemen. <laughs> Don't nobody want to go outside and get into no gangster shit. <laughs> so, Will Smith's wife, Cat Williams, Williams, keep those names out your mouth. Out of your mouth. And ain't going to be no trouble. Won't be no trouble because there's trouble now. Right. What I find fascinating, though, just the business side of it. Is that we now have this pre- because that interview is like almost three hours. Yes. And for people who like he goes in on like the first 35, 40 minutes. Yeah. But the whole three hours is amazing. It is riveting. It is riveting. So like sometimes I feel bad. Like we'll go like, a, you know, an hour and a half or, you know, knock on two hours. It's like, damn, I guess. But apparently if you are. Interesting enough, you can like we can all count, like that's something to aim for. Like hopefully you can hold people's attention because it was. I sat and listened to that thing. Yeah, and and him going in on people was it was interesting. It was funny. It was amazing. Sure. But then when he gets into the stories about his life, right? A real interesting guy with stuff that it's stuff that he's touched on in his comedy. Mm-hmm. But like with most people in there, when they do comedy. There's touches of the real, and then there's touches of where they're expanding, you mm-hmm. know, you know, stretching it for the for the joke. So you never know where the real is. And this, even though he's being funny, you get the sense it was one hundred percent just real. Yeah, he's spilling it. As a matter of fact, there are times in the interview where Shannon Sharp actually tries to like kind of retort with a joke. And Cat like just keeps it serious, right? You know, he's like, "Nah, you know, I'm here, I'm bearing it." So, right, let's go, man. Let's right. let's, let's ride this feeling, right, right. And it is it's it's fascinating because we just did Friday after next, yes, he, right. Yeah, before he talks we talked about Friday break, after next, and he talked. Well, apparently, Friday after next is ground zero for whatever what's happening between him and Ricky Smiley. So, like, now you got to go back and watch that again. I know. So, but know. but all right, but there you go. But there you go. There so, you go. So, we, that's it. Much of Cat Williams. We, we've, we've, we touched on it. We've touched it. All right. Okay. All right. All right. 
Let's get into the show. Because we don't want no problems. No, Mr. None. Williams. None. Because I'm going to see him. and He's coming to Atlantic City. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to see him. I don't need no. Yeah, no one, no problems. All right. No spotlight on that Michelle nigga. <laughs> Will Smith's <laughs> wife. I don't want that. Cat Williams. Everybody write it down. All right. We'll, we'll add to the list if we have to. All right. All right. Hey there, missionaries. It's Len, a.k.a. The Bat Tribble. If you're in the Philadelphia area, I invite you to come out on Saturday, January 27th to the lounge at World Cafe Live to watch Vincent and me do it live. We're presenting a live podcast plus a film screening of the classic romantic comedy, Love Jones. This is the romantic comedy that set the template for romantic comedies in the 90s into the 21st century. And we'll be screening it live on the big screen in the beautiful lounge at World Cafe Live on Saturday, January 27th. Tickets are on sale right now at worldcafelive.com. Hope to see you there. Let's get into the show. Which means we are going to respond to some of the emails, ah. or as we like to call them, missives from the missionaries. So what else is going on, Lynn? We have emails, Vincent. Ooh, missives from the missionaries. Ooh. 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 missives from the missionaries. I'm laughing because Dylan cues us from over in the producer central, mm-hmm. but I can see his fingers as he's working like the, the, the board. So he's just bouncing to the music. And I can tell when he gets to that. <laughs> like when he's getting to the point where he's, right, <laughs> he's like, right, 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 right. <laughs> there you go. I love, I love Dylan. All right. Uh, Mrs. From the Missionaries, ladies and gentlemen, we're starting with an email from Corey P. Hey, what's up, Corey? We actually have two. This is the first of two. Okay. Hi, Lynn and Vince. This email is rather celebratory. Oh, very nice. I want to start off and say thank you for this podcast. As a black woman, I don't really listen to a lot of male-centered podcasts, especially black men, because to me, there is misogyny and them being overall jerks and ignorant. Oh, yikes. Um, I love how the two of you often celebrate black women without bashing us while giving us listeners insight and sometimes unbiased takes on these black movies. I love how you guys bring black women to talk about black women centered films. Keep up the great work as always. Happy holidays from a fellow missionary. That is from Corey P. Oh, well, thank you, Corey. Thank you, Corey. We yeah. really appreciate that. We try. We do try. We try. I don't really understand like a lot of these. It's so weird how we're in a podcast. See, like everybody got a podcast, mm-hmm. but it does seem like it's just a bunch of dudes sitting around complaining. Well, here's the, here's the thing. I don't know the the biggest thing in the proliferation of podcasts, which of course now is YouTube. Yeah. Is that the big thing now is for um, ex-athletes 
to have podcasts mm-hmm. and have their fellow af- ex-athletes on and basically giving their interviews, the interviews that they couldn't do mm-hmm. when they were athletes. Right. And talk a whole lot of ish about the game and about their life and everything like that. And I do think, I don't want to color with a broad brush here, sure. but I do think that does lend itself to a little bit of trying to bring that street in, you know, around the trying to do the barbershop talk, mm-hmm. as it were. And it does lend itself to some conversations that, you know, being a little bit more unfiltered uh, and, and misogynistic, to, to be perfectly frank. Um, I think... And unfortunately, YouTube has become such a giant out there that once you get a certain number of views to your thing, sure. now you get you got ads coming in. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these guys, they don't care about the ads. So they don't care about if, if a certain company doesn't want to sponsor them because of maybe some of the, the stuff they're doing. They don't care because there's another as long as they get the beer. The alcohol and the gambling, they got enough money coming in. Yeah, yeah, but see, even what you're talking about, it's like a hook. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm an ex-athlete, you know, basically a version of, of what Shannon Sharp. Yeah, exactly. You, you know, like, I'm an ex-athlete. I talk see, to my Shannon's friends. Shannon's way more classy. Who, who, no, 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 I'm just saying, like, like, my angle is I'm an ex-athlete. Yes. I talk to other ex-athletes and build out from there. Right. I'm an I'm a '90s MC because you know, like Questlove has a podcast, and I talk to music people. Yes. Like I'm talking about just the Joe Blow, the Joe Blow, and 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 I'm, I don't want to put words in Corey's mouth, but it's like these dudes who like talk about women and and what women do or do not do for them, and what they want from women, and and. It's like this weird circle jerk of dudes talking to other dudes about women and how they don't like these women and what the women don't do and and this, that, and the other. And, and, and you know. Well, podcast is primarily a male-dominated I hate to be field. that guy, but I'm always like, dog, when's the last time you had a date? <laughs> Like, it's like three blind mice trying to describe an elephant. Like, yeah, see, but the, the thing about those. Why are you talking about women? See, but the thing. You about, don't know any women. But the thing about those podcasts, I I think they're in response to some of the foolishness that they see happening on a lot of those reality shows. Right. Where it's women kind of sitting around talking a lot of crazy stuff. Right. Right. But see, even that, and now I'm, 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 I might be drifting into my own internalized sort of you hetero, like you. heteronormative views. And like, like that type of behavior from a man, like you saw some women doing some stuff and you didn't like it. So then you so came then you're on gonna... and you're like... I'm not going to say I smell bitch, but 
Yeah, right. Like, like, like the men. I, like the men I know. Like, what are you doing right now? No, I, I one hundred percent agree with you. Certainly, the oil in your car needs to be changed. <laughs> Certainly, grass needs to be. My godfather cuts his grass three times a week. Certainly, you have grass to cut. <laughs> I know there's some ungrilled meat in the fridge. Certainly, there's something you can be doing. Certainly, there's a drip in the sink in the in the bathroom on the second floor that you can tighten up the washer. It's been or, dripping for a while. It's been dripping. Like certainly, certainly, there's something you can be doing. Certainly, certainly. Look at the camera when you say it. Look at the camera. Certainly, there's something you can be doing around your house. Certainly. Besides sitting and talking about women that you don't know nor date. Like, certainly. To quote Kit Ramsey, get it together. Get it together. Like, keep it together. Keep it together. Like, certainly. <laughs> Let's continue. We got another email from okay. Corey. From Corey P. Hi, Lennon Vince. Happy New Year to both of you. To start things off, I do have a question for both of you. Okay. Out of the four movies that Denzel Washington has done with Spike Lee, okay, Mo Better Blues, mm -hmm. Malcolm X, mm -hmm. He Got Game, mm -hmm. and Inside Man, mm -hmm. which film would you erase? Woo! You want to hear our answer first? Yeah. For me, it would be He Got Game. Mm. Because while Spike Lee took the unconventional route of making this movie, I feel like there is too much plot Instead of just one story, Denzel delivers a magnificent performance as Jake Shuttlesworth, but the rest of the cast, in my opinion, fell flat. Cheers to 2024. Uh, side note, you guys have to review Hoodlum, The Inkwell, Almost Rainbow, I Like It Like That, and The Women of Brewster's Place. When a Brewster Place was not a movie, we'd have to do a... Um like a binge lounge, lounge for that. For that. Yeah, but, but the rest of them... Are, are fair game are in very shortlisted very fair game so what movie of the mo better blues malcolm x he got game or inside man of the spike lee denzel washington filmography would you erase that is really really hard because the thing about the two films that are in the bottom slots for me it's got to be both he too. got game and inside man mm-hmm is I feel like Denzel Washington plays roles he doesn't necessarily play. Like, while certainly he's played law enforcement, I feel like his role in Inside Man started, like, that's the very beginning of that kind of Denzel's getting a little older role. Okay. And I know I liked He Got Game better than you, but I really like... Denzel Washington in He Got Game as this very checkered, this father with a checkered past. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm going to say He Got Game just because I think Inside Man is frankly a better film than He Got Man, than He Got Game, but it hurts. Really? Yeah, yeah. I know it's not going to hurt for you because you didn't like it as much as I did, but but yeah, I'm going to. Yeah, say I would say He Got Game, but I honestly. Um... And I, I would say for the same reason as Corey. I just think as an overall film, yeah, 
the other performances kind of like let it down. Sure. So sure. it's it's easy to take it. Like like then and honestly, while I think Denzel is good in it, I think he could he's not given as much as you want him to give. Mm-hmm. But he but he's so good that you feel like he's giving you more. <laughs> but he's right. really not. And it's right, not his right, fault. Right. Like it's, Denzel at half speed is still better than most people at full speed. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Good question though. Good question. I hate questions like that. Oh, uh, Sophie's choice like that. Yeah, I hate those questions. Uh, we got another email. This is from Nicole Court. Hey, what's up, Nicole? Greetings, Len and Vincent. I recently listened to the Straight Out of Brooklyn episode from nice. way, way back. I'd say it's an early one. And you both made some interesting points regarding the movie. Straight Out of Brooklyn could have been a great movie, but for me, it was thrown together. Mm. I wanted to say that I like the character of Shirley, Dennis's girlfriend. To me, she stood ten toe. She stood. Ten toes on what she said and took no bullcrap from Dennis's antics. Mm-hmm. Other than that, Straight Out of Brooklyn is a movie, if you want to call it that. Oh, you can come for its neck. <laughs> All right, I still like Straight Out of Brooklyn. Yeah, I seem to remember liking it yeah. enough. You know. Yeah. All right. I think the same thing. I think they pushed Maddie Rich too hard, too fast. Like I think he got too big, too fast. Really? Yeah. Did he get big? Or I, I mean, like... I, I mean, you know, speaking off of the inkwell, like, like, there's yeah. no way he should have gotten a film with a budget that big, yeah, with the cast that big that quickly. It was just very much he he kind of was in that wake of Spike Lee. Yeah, you're right. And you know, every every black man male filmmaker with some glasses on. You're right. So even though I really like the inkwell, mm-hmm. but um, yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. All right. All right. Uh, we had, thank you for all of your emails, ladies Absolutely. and gentlemen. We got tons of more email, but a lot, a lot of them were of the happy new year, happy holidays. And happy new year, happy holidays to everyone. And if you want to send an email to us, feel free. Please email us at mission at gmail.com. That's M-I-C-H-E-A-U-X-M-I-S-S-I-O-N at gmail.com. Now... It's time for the top five. All right. Top five. Who's your top five? My top five is. My top five is. Top five, ladies and gentlemen, where I give Vincent a list and he gives us his scintillating commentary on it. Tonight's top five, Vincent, you may or may not have uh, commentary on this one um, because. This one, uh, and Dylan, um, little production note, we're going to be doing from one to five. In alphabetical order, mm-hmm. these are my top five black films of 2023. Okay, very nice. Now, mind you, I did not see every black film sure, in 2023. Sure, sure. But in reviewing um, and, and looking at things to, to, for this feature... I saw most of them. Okay. And most of the ones that I didn't see were like streaming. And I, there's no way you're going to catch every Sure, one, sure, you know? sure. It's too many. There's, there's a whole lot of black Christmas movies. Now, yes. I was not able to catch them all. But this is my top. And I love that. I do love it too. I love the fact that there are so many black movies that you have to do a disclaimer. 
Yeah. Like, I didn't see all of them. I, yeah. How often is that? Yeah. Case, so, right? but what we got? So, this is an alphabetical order. Alphabetical order. All right. I believe I did this in alphabetical order. Well, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> Unfortunately, you are talking to an audience that knows their alphabet. So, <laughs> so number one. Number one. Should be all dope. All dirt roads taste of salt. Yes, yes, you were you were celebrating that before we started, saying I got to watch it. It is because I haven't seen it. It is a very uh, underrated, uh, slept on independent film. Here's a write up on it, written and directed by Raven Jackson, um, starring Charlene McClure, Moses Ingram, Reginald Helms Jr., and Chris Chalk, uh, with Barry Jenkins serving as a producer. Oh, okay, all right. It. Um, a decade-spanning exploration of a woman's life in Mississippi. Okay. And an ode to the generations of people, places, and moments that shape us all. Uh-huh. I'm telling you, this movie. This movie is a poem because it's and poem is not even. It's it's more of like a, a piece of music because it's very little dialogue. Okay. In this movie, it's absolutely. Gorgeous, heart heart wrenching, heart um, soul lifting. Uh, it is a a beautiful film. I gave y'all a little piece about it. It's just this woman's life, at from basically childhood to to um, uh, senior senior or elder her uh, elderly days. Um, but it's it's absolutely gorgeous, and I it's one of the it almost reminded me of a little bit of uh, Daughters of the Dust. Oh, all right. Yeah. yeah. All right. I'll be really That's big praise. In, in your okay, now, all right. So there you go. All dirt roads turn to salt. Okay. A uh, taste of salt, excuse me. Taste okay. of salt. Number two. Number two. Continuing in alphabetical order. Alphabetical order. Written and directed by Cord Jefferson. Yes, sir. American fiction. Yes, sir. Uh, which we have talked about, which stars Jeffrey Wright, Tracy Ellis Ross, Issa Rae, Sterling K. Brown, uh, and Erica Alexander, and Leslie Uggams. Leslie Uggams. Leslie Uggams in a role in this film. Mm -hmm. um, Quick to just let me tell you what the movie is about. A frustrated novelist slash professor who jokingly writes an outlandishly stereotypical black book out of spite only for it to be published and receive widespread fame and acclaim and if you think i gave it away trust me i didn't no you didn't this movie is hilarious yeah it is absolutely hilarious um and when it i know we're in award seasons now because the golden globes just mm-hmm. happened you could pick an actor from here and throw an award at the cast is so good. Sterling K. Brown is a beast in this movie. It, look. Erica Alexander is so understated in this movie. Look. And you know what? You know how everybody caped up in the last year for Jamie Lee Curtis and Michelle Yao? Mm-hmm. Somebody needs to go and give some flowers to Leslie Uggams. She's fantastic. She is absolutely She's fantastic. Absolutely and, and we've fantastic. mentioned I've mentioned on this show like where's Leslie Uggams? Where's Leslie? Why yeah. is she not getting that work? Yeah. 
she she's she's extraordinary she really is it's funny i because i follow jeffrey wright on um instagram and he posted something that he was somewhere and he, and he told leslie uggams that he had a crush on her so like it was so great working with her wow and and as many accolades as jeffrey wright has oh tracy ellis ross is fantastic too i i think I think because she was on Blackish for so many years, which you know, I mean, you know, it's Blackish, ABC's kind of comedy fodder. You kind of, you know, now it's syndicated, and then she was on Girlfriends. Mm-hmm. I think it's very easy to take her for granted. Okay, Tracy Ellis Ross is very, very good in this, and as many accolades as Jeffrey Wright has gotten, rightfully so. He 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 he's he's, a, he's extraordinary. Like he's an extraordinary actor. He is, and it is you know not to be Debbie Downer, but in my mind, it is an indictment on just sort of the ambient racism of Hollywood that Jeffrey Wright. This is the first real meaty lead role I can think of with him that that kind of hits. The level of his talent, yeah, yeah, it's it's yeah, you can't talk about. And as a first time director and screenwriter, Core Jefferson is now on my list of people that gets me to the movies sight unseen. So most definitely, yeah, absolutely, American fiction. All right, Uh, continuing. So far, they've been alphabetical. So far, they've been alphabetical. The L comes before the M. Like both of the movies started with A, then you go to the second letter. Yes. So you know the L comes up so 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 far, gold star. Just want to put your doctorate to use, your doctorate in English. Yes, yes, because <laughs> that's when I learned how to alphabetize things. When you got your doctorate. Yeah. <laughs> Here's where I think I messed up. Uh oh. Number three. <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> Because I don't have them listed in alphabetical order. Aardvarks are black. (laughs) A small documentary (laughs) out of Stony Mountain, Georgia about the indigenous American aardvark. (laughs) Go ahead. Number three is a British film. Okay. A British romantic comedy. Okay. Directed by Rain Allen Miller. Okay. Uh, in her first uh, directorial debut, Rye Lane. Okay. Have you checked out Rye Lane? I know no, it's, 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 it's very, very short. List. You haven't messed up. Oh, but the next movie probably done start. No, 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 no. I, it, it starts with a. No, after, I got it. I got it. Right. Uh, okay, you got, got it right. All right, all right. Yeah, yeah. I got it right. Did you see Rylane? No, I did. Oh, uh, you did. Oh, oh, oh that you actually saw. Okay, go ahead. Now, just to let people know, two strangers who uh, uh, have a chance encounter after both breaking up have uh, have experienced recent breakups and spend the day getting to know one another. This film stars David uh, Johnson and Vivian. Opera um, from a screenplay by Nathan Bryan and is set in South London. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is a it is a truly adorable movie. It'll re- remind you of what's the I, I just drew a blank on the movie 
where they're basically just walking through San Francisco. I was je- you just mentioned Barry Jenkins. Barry Jenkins. I was like, is this like like medicine for melancholy? It's, it's got a lot like of, a companion piece to medicine for melancholy. It, yes, but it, but it's not as because medicine for melancholy does have a more of a laid back. Sure, vibe. and this because these these are these are younger. Uh, um, your protagonists are younger. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a, little, a lot more lively. Okay, um, and and it's in color. <laughs> and, um, but it's funny. It's sweet. It's a, it's it's adorable. Um, and it's very it's it's very authentic. I think. Okay. The the, the, mono, the dialogue, um, how they how they react to one another, how they are there for one another, and also indict one another a little bit on their on their past relationships, mm-hmm. um, while still building. And getting closer together throughout the film Mm -hmm. is actually beautifully well done. Okay, Um, and I enjoyed it. I I was um, flipping through. I think it's on Hulu. Uh, And I I very rarely open up my Hulu, Mm -hmm. but I I I said, let me see what movies are on Hulu. And Rye Lane was there, and I remember Tanya Pendleton Mm -hmm. saying like this: she saw it, and it's something that we should see. And I said, let me just sit down and watch Rye Lane. I enjoyed every minute of it, man. Okay, it was really, really. Great. It is. It is on my ex, like extremely short list. Should check that out. Yeah. Number four. Number four. This is the only animated film. Okay. On my list. All right. And it is, of course, of course, Spider Man. Of course, across the Spider. Yes, sir. The sequel. Yes, sir. Spider Man into the Spider Verse. Hmm. Um, which features uh, Miles Morales, Spider-Man, mm-hmm. in an adventure with Gwen Stacy mm-hmm. slash Spider-Woman, where he meets a team of Spider-People known as the Spider-Society, but come into conflict with them over handling a new threat in the form of The Spot. And if you are a geek like Vincent and I, and somebody told you that there was going to be a Spider-Man film that featured a villain called The Spot. Yeah. And you were going to absolutely love this movie, mm-hmm. including the villain. Mm-hmm. You'd have said, get out of here. Mm-hmm. Had to be Doc Ock right. or the Green Goblin. This movie is picks up where Into the Spider-Verse left off and it just keeps it going and doubles down on it double down on the animation double down on the ex- the experimenting of the the tones it creates a whole a whole world of like watercolors and washes for Gwen Stacy spider woman it then introduces this whole spider society it introduces the multiverse without it being convoluted it's still very much straight to the point. And yet, and yet, and we both talked about this with knowing that this was going to be the multiverse and all these spider people, are they going to lose sight of Miles Morales? Not only do they not lose sight of Miles Morales, they build up his family in this yeah. and they become more integral to the story. And it's, it's absolutely incredible. And it's a movie that when it ends, there's a piece of you that's going to be like, what the? When's the next one? 
Yeah, look, look. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's sheer perfection. It really is. Like everything, like it's, it's streaming now. And, and yes. just since it's been streaming, I just look at the set pieces sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like, like I look at Miles and Gwen swinging through the city. I look at when they're saving people in Moonbatten. That yeah. whole sequence. Oh, that's that is an you, amazing the sequence scene. when Miles is trying to escape. Mm-hmm. You, you know, like just everything. And as you said, we are geeks, lifelong. We we watch movies every week, so we do anatomy lesson anatomy lessons every week mm-hmm. on these movies. There were plot beats in this film that legitimately surprised me yeah you said that yeah and i said i cannot believe i didn't know this was gonna happen Mm -hmm. because it played fair because the other thing is is there the other thing is if you go back to the first movie there are plot details that happen in this film that they played fair Mm -hmm. and that is the sign of of excellent screenwriting and filmmaking and and yeah, it's yeah, it's look. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And real quick, let's just give some love to that. Uh, the screenplay was by Phil Lord and, and Christopher Miller. Um, and the directing was by Joaquin DeSantos and Ken Powers. Yeah. Um, both names that we know. Yeah. And both who work, we, we absolutely. Love. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was. Yeah. It was absolutely. Yeah. Spot on, man. And number five. Number five. Not coming in from in the coming up, bringing up the rear, right? Because this is a movie that maybe predates all of these films. Right, 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 right. It's just alphabetical. Though. It's just alphabetical. Right, right. S has come after R, so. But this is the film that I only just saw. Okay, and that would be they cloned Tyrone. Oh, you like that? They cloned Tyrone. You fronted. It took you forever to watch it. It took me forever to watch this movie. I admit Vincent has been on me about it. Our associate producer Maurice has been on us on me about it. Everybody has been on me about you got to watch. They clone Tyrone. And then once you did. That movie's crazy. (laughs) That movie is absolutely crazy. If you haven't seen it, ladies and gentlemen, look. Look, look. It stars John Boyega, Tiana Paris, and Jamie Foxx. Jamie Foxx. As an unlikely trio uncovering a government cloning conspiracy. (laughs) It also features in supporting roles David Allen Greer. Yeah. And one Kiefer Sutherland. Kiefer Sutherland. Kiefer Sutherland. Kiefer Sutherland doing work. John Boyega is unrecognizable in this movie for a little bit. Like eventually I I'd lock on like, "Oh, that's John Boyega." But it took me a minute. Tiana Paris, I absolutely adore Tiana of, of Paris. Of course you do. In this movie that was uh, directed by Jewel Taylor, again, directorial debut. I look. In a film that he wrote it. with uh Tony Rentenmeyer. Absolutely funny, bananas movie. But as you say, that goddamn Jamie Foxx. 
Jamie Foxx. You said Jamie Foxx. You want to talk about not fair. Jamie Foxx. It is Fox. not fair. It look. How talented. Look. That man is. You know what I love about Jamie Foxx? Because at this point, he's, 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 you know, Academy Award winning. And, you know, I think he has a, certainly he's, he's got to have a Grammy at this point. Probably. Like he's got to be, you know, he's got to be halfway to an EGOT. Like he's actually, like I love how committed he was to this role. Mm-hmm. Like just how balls to the wall committed he is to this role, which frankly, he didn't have to. No. Like there's enough makeup. It's a small enough character. He's talented enough. Mm-hmm. He could have halfway phoned it in. He could have easily phoned it. And it would have been solid. Like it yes. was enough going on. Yes. This would have been solid. But he is fully committed to this. There is the scene where the trio come upon this clone farm, mm-hmm. as it were. And Jamie Foxx, he, he's basically like he's basically this pimp throughout the whole movie. Sure, and he's and he, sure he, like just stepped out of Black Dynamite. Yeah, the through the whole movie. But there's a moment when they come into that clone farm where he switches, and he's the real guy. Yeah, and it doesn't feel false. At all no, because that is the credit to his skill as an yeah, actor. Yeah, it still feels one hundred percent authentic when he switches. Yeah, and it it, it is amazing. It's yeah, amazing to see. Um, now you know you said Black Dynamite. You know the connection between these two movies. No, the malt liquor that um, John Boyega John Boyega's character drinks is Anaconda malt liquor. Which is from Black Which Dynamite. is from Black Donna. I forgot I forgot the little brother's name who made the film, but he said he was Jewel Taylor. Jewel Taylor. He was such a fan of Black Dynamite that apparently he got in touch with Michael Jai White. Okay. And asked permission to have Anaconda malt liquor in the uh, movie. And Michael Jai White was like, Yeah, you know. And it dope. totally makes sense. Yeah. It it totally like not to give away the movie, but it Totally, totally makes, sense makes sense that they would be drinking anaconda malt liquor. The malt liquor that makes you go, ooh wee! <laughs> it's the only malt liquor sponsored by the United States government. <laughs> anaconda malt liquor! And what's the chicken Makes called? you go, ooh wee! What's the chicken? Is oh, it, I forget the chicken. It? Goddamn chicken? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, it's, it's, uh, April is coming. April yeah. is coming and we will be talking about yeah. the clone Tyrone. Yeah. Yeah. Most de- Extensively. Most definitely. Most definitely. Well, those are good films. Those are my, the, uh, t- so what do you think of my top five list? I think that's a good list. with them? I have no Anything quibbles. you might want to sign in? I see our associate producer, Maurice, um, is. Was Hawk for Jesus this year? I feel like that was. I thought Honk for Jesus was last year. I feel like it was. Otherwise, I'd have you know. You know, I'm a Honk for Jesus man. I love. I love that movie too. Yeah, but yeah. I don't think that was 2023. Yeah, I think it was. But yeah. Anything? Anything that you could, you can think of that you might slide in there? Not off the top. Of my, like you hit. I didn't my, know. Like like Rustin. I thought Rustin was okay. I still haven't seen it. I thought Rustin was all right, but yeah. I, it just didn't, it yeah. didn't come up to the level. It was close. 
Um, the blackening. We talked about the blackening. Yeah, the blackening wasn't as good as wasn't this, as good. Was, what's on this as list? Solid as anything yeah. here. Uh, color purple liked it, but um, I don't think the color purple is as strong as anything on this list. Me neither. Yeah. Me neither. Um, yeah. So it's a good list. All right. Good list. Good year. Good year. Good year. Hey, like all you said, right. There were too many. I love. And it's not often we can say. It's that. not often we can say that. There you go. All right. There we go. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was the top five. And now it's time for the Game of Kings. Game of Kings. As we unveil for 2024. Uh Uh-oh. Six Degrees of Derville Martin. All right. Six Degrees of Derville Martin, ladies and gentlemen, where Mm -hmm. Vincent will have... Six films or less mm-hmm. to connect two actors to that other man who is literally black dynamite. Yes. Derville Martin. He's a dynamite black. Yes, he is. And keeping in theme. Okay. And these are names that you actually may have done before, Vincent, but we're going to see. Okay. In six movies or less. Six movies, maybe I'll do them different if I've done them before. What do we got? Connect Derville Martin. Derville Martin. Two. Two. Donald Sutherland. Donald Sutherland. Yes. Right. Well, you know the quick way to get to Donald Sutherland. I know the quick way. Is is with the split. Yes. That's the quick way. Or there's another movie besides the split. Well, that's not what I can think of. Like the split is, but but there's a more popular movie. Well, I'll go to the one. That I love him in. The one that, frankly, I think about him all the time. With Donald Sutherland? Donald Sutherland. Okay, what movie is that? Because um, Derville Martin is in Dolomite. Yes. With Rudy Ray Moore. Rudy Ray Moore is in The Monkey Hustle. Okay. With Yafet Kodo. Yafet Kodo? Yafet Kodo is in Truck Turner with Nichelle Nichols. Nichelle Nichols is in any of the various and sundry, sundry Star Trek films. Of the original. Of dinner. the original cast with Leonard Nimoy. Leonard Nimoy is in the 1979 remake uh, of Invasion of, of the, the Body, Body Snatchers, Snatchers with Donald, Donald Sutherland, Sutherland, which we're talking about remakes each subsequent remake of Invasion of the Body Snatchers, including the criminally underrated one in the late 90s with um, Nicole Kidman. Oh, I never saw that one. It's it's a great film. But Donald Sutherland is in that, and Donald Sutherland has... Because you, know you know my thing. You, you know, uh, new missionaries may not know this. When I was a kid, mm-hmm. I didn't understand how reruns worked. Okay. Like I thought everyone on television was, was still on television. So like speaking of Star Trek, like I would watch Star Trek two and three times a day. I thought Leonard Nimoy was this huge star. Oh yeah. 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 Cause he was on television all the time. So that when I watched invasion of the body snatchers, spoiler for a 40 year old film, I assumed Leonard Nimoy was going to be in the whole film because mm-hmm. he's this huge star. And then Leonard Nimoy gets killed fairly <laughs> early. Yes, in that movie, yes. 
And it freaked me out mm-hmm. because I was now on new ground. And then, you know, speaking of spoilers, it ends with one of the scariest endings of all time with Donald Sutherland. Mm. So, yeah, if, if, if I'm going to do Donald Sutherland, I'm going to try and land on Invasion of the Body Snatchers. A remake that is better than the original. A remake that is better than the original. Yeah, absolutely. I had I had a similar thing with uh, Leonard Nimoy. Not so much that I didn't know that they were reruns, but you start to equate the character with the actor. Sure. So, and he, you know, Leonard Nimoy was Spock. Like yeah, absolutely. Smartest man in space. Yeah. Right on on Star Trek. So then, I messed around with my mom, and I'm watching. Columbo. Yeah. And Leonard Nimoy shows up on Columbo. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, well, Columbo can't outsmart, outsmart Spock. It's a classic episode. You can't do this. This is unfair. Yeah. Is this the one where Columbo loses? Yeah. Leonard Nimoy, he has to get away. But it was not the one no, where it was not. Excuse me. I, just one more thing. Just one more thing. Can you clarify one, one more thing one, for one me? Thing, one more thing. I'm just trying to get straight in my own head. Let me see. I was about to say, do I have something I can, I can, I have something I can write on the back of? So that's my thing. Right. Was that the easy Donald Southern one, one you were thinking about? What's the famous one? The Dirty Dozen. Oh, The Dirty Dozen. With, with Jim Brown. Jim Brown, of course. Yes. All right. Yeah, that was the easy one. All right. Donald Southern, one of my favorite actors. Love Donald Southern. Love Donald Sutherland. Um, All right. All right. Continuing the theme. Yes. Wait, what's the theme, though? The theme is that Keith Sutherland was in They Clone Tyrone. All right. All right. All right. So, Donald Sutherland is his dad. It is dad. All right. And I said, oh, let's do this. All right. So, (laughs) is there another Sutherland? No, it's Kiefer. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Kiefer. So, connect. In six movies or less, connect Durban. Oh, okay. Ella, look, the easy way with him, you, you know, you go to a, a few good men, just that. Which is what you used before. Okay, but but speaking of favorite movies, all right, so this is what I'm going to do. Um, all right, so this is how am I going to get to him? Wait. Is that Jason Patrick in Iron Eagle? Who's the white guy in Iron Eagle who looks just like Jason Patrick that I was just about to I was about to start? Something tells me but, it's not Jason Patrick. I'm gonna look it up. Iron Eagle, the first. Well, which Iron Eagle? This I mean, he's in. The, well, he's in the first one because remember he got he got bigger than Iron Eagle and he left. Uh, no, it's not Jason Patrick. What's his name? Jason Gedrick. Jason Kedrick. Jason Kedrick. Okay, so I can't use Jason. Let me, so who else is? Let's see, so Jamie Kurtz, I think, is in like. Jamie Kurtz? She's in like Valley Girl, but I don't know who else. Of all the names to pull up, That's Jamie Kurtz. Hey, I'm going somewhere with this. <laughs> oh! Okay, I know who I'll use because these are only two movies I know I'm in. And and I was going to use Louis Gossett Jr., but I'll use Benita's other but other uh, suitor. So, Dervo Martin is in Guess Who's Coming to Dinner with Sidney Poitier. Mm-hmm. Sidney Poitier is in uh, is in um, a raisin in the sun. 
Okay. With Ivan Dixon. Yes. Ivan Dixon is in Car Wash. Yes. With George Carlin. Yes. George Carlin is in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Okay. With Alex Winter, which the only thing that I know Alex Winter for is Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, but also The Lost Lost Boys Boys with Kiefer Sutherland, which is my favorite Kiefer Sutherland film. That's your favorite Kiefer Sutherland film? We don't grow old and we'll live forever, but we must feed. Yes, we must feed. That's your favorite Kiefer Sutherland Lost Boys is that work and holds up. Like, I think a lot of these 80s movies, we kind of look at them through rose-colored glasses. and mm-hmm. other, But The Lost Boys holds up. I haven't seen that movie in a thousand years. Oh, my goodness. It's got the greatest 80s ending of all of these movies. You remember how it ends? Remember yeah. how it ends? No. So, so you know, it's the vampires. And, 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 you know, it's an 80s movie. So, it's like a oblivious adults. Right. Because remember, the Corys are the Frog Brothers. I do know that. And they live with their grandfather. Mm -hmm. And their grandfather, like the whole movie, he's just sort of grunting and drinking beer and sitting in in an easy chair because, you know, dumbass grandpa, like the old people. And so, you know, it's the vampire stuff, it's the vampire stuff, it's the vampire stuff, it's the vampire stuff. And then at the very end, everybody is cornered by the vampires. Mm -hmm. The grandfather drives a pickup truck through the wall of the house shoots these sharpened two-by-fours that he has this contraption made up, kills all the vampires, gets out of the truck, kind of grunts the same way he's been doing the whole movie, and is like, yeah, I love living here. The only problem is all the damn vampires. (laughs) And that's the end of the movie. That's a very, like, uh... They never explain it. You know, if they made this now, there'd be a whole prequel series. Of course. About, but I love the fact that well, they have made it. Yet. Right. Like I love the like the grandfather has this whole thing going on. But you know, it's the eighties, and oh, it's the Corys, and it's the you know, it's the greasy dude with the saxophone, and it's all this stuff going on. Certainly, the grandfather can't be interesting. And I love the fact that in retroactively, he's the most interesting character in the whole movie. But because it's the 80s and we're not doing all these sequels and and toy tie-ins and t-shirts, that's the movie. You know, you telling me that ending. Mm-hmm. Spoiler for a 40-year-old movie. I may not have seen The Lost Boys. You, you actually have not seen The Lost Boys. I don't Boys. think, I don't remember. You never actually no, saw, sure the, saw you're it. You're thinking about Trimmers with Kevin Bacon. I was about to say, actually, you're not, because that's a really good movie, too. I love Tremors. I was trying to make a joke, and then I realized, no, Tremors is really good. (laughs) Tremors is so much fun. Yeah. I watch Tremors almost, like, once every two, three years. Holds up. I love Tremors. Oh, yeah, Lost Boys is at work. I don't think I've seen The Lost Boys. How have you not seen The Lost Boys? Easily. (laughs) I just didn't see it. Lost Boys is fantastic. But it's not my favorite Keith F. Sutherland movie. What, What is it? A Few Good Men. A Few Good Men? Yeah. What do you mean? You want to talk about classic movies? I like a few good men, but Lost Boys. I have to see it. Yeah. I have to see that. You know what movie I hadn't seen for a long time and I finally sat down and watched? This was now a few years ago. What? Um, 
Warriors. Warriors. Holds up. No, it doesn't. You are bugging. You are actually crazy. No, it doesn't. You are actually crazy. The Warriors is good stuff. No, 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 it's not. It was very boring. The Warriors is not boring at all. First of all, it's 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 weirdly toned because it's like it's kind of realistic, mm. but then it's all the gangs. Yes, yeah, it's, it's very. I love the fight scenes. <sighs> I think the Ford, you know, just the. the I, I think the narrative it's kind of straight. I love the streamlined narrative this of them is, just trying yeah, to get through the is, city. It is. It's straight line. I'll give you that. I oh, was, you're crazy. I was bored. How are you bored by the Warriors? Which part is boring? Mm, let's see. It never lets up. It comes on. Yes. Then there's a movie. See? It goes off. No, I need you to point. I, no, between. I need you to point to the scenes that Walter Hill is is directing the hell out of that movie. I 100. You know what? It's, it's not a, a black movie. You, you know, it's not a black movie. Don't even try it. I don't know. Can you dig it? <laughs> Don't even try it. Don't even try it. It's not a black movie. I don't movie. know. It's not a black Might movie. Might be able to come out and play. <laughs> no. No, they can't. They can keep their ass in the house. Do the dishes. Clean your room. I strongly... I think you were sleepy when you watched it. I was sleepy watching I it. I strongly disagree it's with that. It's not a good movie. It is not a good movie. Yeah, I don't know. Here's, here's uh, the judge. Let's be the uh, judge. Okay. Dylan, have you ever seen The Warriors... Dylan has never seen the Warriors. Well, Dylan is like he's like he's never seen the Warriors. He's millennial. What's that got to do with anything? Let him watch it and see if it actually holds up. No, you just said it holds up. I do think it holds up. Then he should be able to enjoy it. That's not that's fair. the definition of what do you mean? That's the definition of holds up. That it's an older film, yet if you you can still watch. I it. don't know if that is the definition of holds up because I think audiences change, I think audience sensibilities change, and I think you have to take that into account. I think I have. You know what? I used to teach aliens, and aliens did not hold some of my younger students' attention because it won bang 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 bang. How did they pay for the class? Wait, what? The aliens. How do they pay for the class? Oh, well, let's see what you said. <laughs> <laughs> but I do think I, I do think films have different speeds and in, in different um rhythms. Mm -hmm. True. That True. that you know, frankly, younger audiences don't necessarily latch on to it and i don't think it's fair that to say is true. That it is doesn't true. hold up like like if you show if you show a young audience casablanca and they get bored halfway through do you say well casablanca must not hold up no no but i but i can i would not say i would not say that casablanca holds up i think it's still a good film but to me to me a film that holds up is a film that I can introduce to somebody and I think they can find some enjoyment of it. They may not like it as much as I do, but they will find, they can see, okay, I can see, I can see where people enjoyed this. Okay. And you I think I mean? you can, first of all, 100% say that about the Warriors. And that's Dylan, let's put no. Dylan. Let's put no, it, no, we're not. And two, <laughs> when I say, does something hold up? I say again, sort of like I just said with the Lost Boys, like mm -hmm. I watched it I said I enjoyed it. Time passes. 
And you watch it and again. And you revisit it. And then you and still then you find say, the enjoyment. Right. And you still find the enjoyment. And, there, you know, there are a lot of times you watch these films later and you go, oh, yeah, it's, it's done really. It's not really it. It doesn't really hold up. And I think scene to scene. Mm-hmm. The Warriors. The Warriors up. holds up. Like, I think you, you completely understand how this film was immediately iconic and then still has resonance. Okay. So. I see that in the chat. I know you say don't never read the Right, because you know, there's too much happening. Yeah. <laughs> but I see our, our good friend from Real Black, Mike Dennis, uh-huh. in the chat. Mm-hmm. I believe he's seen The Warriors. Yes. Mike, send us an email, michellemission at gmail.com. Does The Warriors hold up? I'll trust his judgment. Okay. I'll trust Mike. And I need you to watch it again. I will watch it again. I need because I know you. I know you. It was something going on when you watched it. <laughs> I know you. Okay. Okay. All right. Something going on when you were watching it. You were sleepy. You were you were grumpy. <laughs> you were one of the other dwarves. <laughs> you know, you were happy. You were Doc. I don't know. Okay. Okay. But I know you. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. This weekend. You're going to watch the Warriors. I'm going to watch the Warriors and I'm going to watch the Lost Boys. That's not a bad double feature. That's, it sounds like it should be a good That's double feature. That's not a bad double feature. Oh, God damn. The Warriors and the Lost Boys. Shit, I might want to do that. That's not a bad <laughs> double feature. That's what I'm going to watch. All right. All right. You know the Warriors come out to play was improv that was improv. I did hear that. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And now it's everybody knows it. You know why? Because it has resonance. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? All right. All right. <laughs> and uh no Damon, I'm not finishing off my double header with Flash Gordon. <laughs> Let's get into our review. Of Bowfinger. We'll be right back with our movie review after we step to these messages. experience in motion pictures oh uh, yeah quite a bit actually i have quite a bit of experience i'm uh active uh renter and i um, attend the film the cinema uh as, as much as possible weekly bi-weekly interweek inter would you be willing to cut your hair oh yes but um it's usually better if someone else does it i've had a few accidents would you be uh, willing to show your naked rear end in a movie? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Welcome aboard. Here's your wardrobe.
had sex with Jeff. So? Well, I never thought of it that way. Bowfinger, a 1999 American satirical buddy comedy film. Directed by Frank Oz, written by the star Mm -hmm. Steve Martin, and co-starring Eddie Murphy. The film depicts a down-and-out filmmaker in Hollywood attempting to make a film on a small budget with a star who does not know that he is in the movie. The film also stars Heather Graham, Mm -hmm. Christine Baranski, and Terrence Stamp in Vincent's selection for our 2024 premiere of the Michaud Mission, Vincent What Say You of Bowfinger. Well, just to contradict something that I said when we started the show about how I don't really want to engage in gossipy stuff and be that gossipy. Um, I'm going to engage in a little gossip. Mm, early spill on. some tea. My, my, my favorite Jerry Lewis movie is, is sort of the straightforward Jerry. Like it's the purple rain of Jerry Lewis movies, which is the nutty professor. Okay. Which most of us, most modern audiences know the nutty professor story because of appropriately enough, Eddie Murphy's remake of it. Where you you have a professor who falls in love with with a with a student mm-hmm. in the original one, it gets a little icky. Stella Stevens, Wait. and um, but because he's kind of goofy, he concocts a formula to turn himself into a cool guy, buddy love. Right. And Jerry Lewis made the original one, and and the 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 gossipy part is that when he becomes buddy love. There were there were really two two um, rumors about who Buddy Love was based on, right? Because Buddy Love is a super cool guy, but he's also cruel and mean, mm-hmm. as you know. And of course, she figures out that she's really in love with the nutty professor who was right. kind. And the two rumors were always that Buddy Love was based on his ex partner dean martin Mm -hmm. and this was a very mean-spirited caricature of dean martin yes and that's the juicy sexy rumor the other rumor which i've always believed more than not was that this was really a bit of introspection on jerry lewis's part Hmm. and that the buddy love character represented the side of Jerry Lewis that people didn't see unless you knew him personally, people who worked with him and that this was kind of representative of his own dark side. Okay. So put a pin in that. I will. The other thing that I love about the nutty professor, and you see this in, in, is that Jerry Lewis doesn't really have a lot of, effects to help him transform mm-hmm. into buddy love. Like I think he has like some, you know, corner store teeth, 
you know, maybe some glasses, but 90% of his transformation from the nutty professor to buddy love is Jerry Lewis's mastery of his own physicality. And this master of his physicality is is why people champion Jerry Lewis and say he's a genius. And, you know, for a long time, it was a cliche that the French loved him so much because he's sort of in the school of a Buster Keaton or Charlie Chaplin. And I have to say, when Eddie Murphy announced he was going to remake The Nutty Professor, I was always really disappointed that he hid himself under all the prosthetics. Like I wanted more of, of, of a physical transformation with his own physique, Mm -hmm. like Jerry Lewis did. Right. I say all of that to say the main reason I love this film is that in my mind, this is the closest Eddie Murphy has gotten to the spirit of Jerry Lewis in The Nutty Professor, where he plays these two roles. Mm -hmm. Kit Kincaid, who is- Kit Ramsey. I'm sorry, Kit Ramsey, who's an action star and one of these big 90s over-the-top stars, which, back to the rumor with Jerry Lewis, is in many ways a caricature of the Eddie Murphy rumor. Like like this sort like Eddie Murphy is over the top. Eddie Murphy is is sort of aggressive mm-hmm. with people. Eddie Murphy has a posse. Mm-hmm. You know he's very mm-hmm. much. You, you know he kind of has all these conspiracy theories. Um, he's very much the big Hollywood guy. He is part of a cult that very much, absolutely, categorically is not Scientology <laughs> at all. Not at all. Very much. Right. But when he transforms into a character, Jif, who we come to find out, is his brother, his whole body changes. Yeah. His whole body changes. His voice changes. His mannerisms change. And it is such a complete transformation that when you say Eddie Murphy is the co-star of this film, you forget how much Eddie Murphy is in the film. Because when he transforms into this other character, it's easy to forget it's Eddie Murphy. Mm-hmm. You think he's just playing Kit Ramsey. Right, right. But you forget he's also playing this other guy. Right. So that's really the foundation of why I brought this film here. And, you know, but there's so much else. To celebrate about this. I mean, you know, just right off the top, you talk about the bones of this thing. Frank Oz is an amazingly seasoned director. Mm -hmm. He's an amazingly seasoned director of comedy. Yes, he is. And this is, I I always forget how peppy this film is. This film bounces just from scene to scene, from 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 moment to moment. And part of the, besides his direction, you've got this amazing script by Steve Martin, who A, is, is by 99, has been in Hollywood damn near 50 years. Well, 99, maybe 40 years. 
So he knows the ins and outs Mm -hmm. of Hollywood and how films are made and what does and does not happen. B, he is rightfully so one of the most celebrated comedians of the past 50 years. So he just knows what's funny. Yes. C, he's a great writer. Mm -hmm. So this experience, this comedic talent, this skill at writing, you get this wonderful script that people rightfully compare to something like Mel Brooks's The Producers mm-hmm. with this mat, you know, this, this, you know, low, this low budget filmmaker making this film, as you said, around this film star who doesn't understand that it's being made so that you have this wonderful physical comedy you have this wonderful commentary and it's almost satire. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I have to say, I think the real secret of this film, there's this great sweetness. Like, it's a sweet story. Like, like there's commentary, but it's never mean. Right. Heather Graham plays a character who is, you know, the running joke is she sleeps with members of the cast or members of the production that she thinks can get her bigger parts in this film. Yeah. And this is a a character beat. This is a plot detail that I think very easily could have been mean spirited Mm -hmm. very easily, but somehow and, and credit where credit is due. I think Heather Graham is is a really good comedic actress in and of herself and i've i've not seen her in enough like like between the like in my mind this and roller girl are far and roller girl in boogie nights Mm -hmm. are far and away the the best roles she's ever had but i feel like she should have had more lots of these roles so that there is this warmth and humanity to the way this character is depicted where you never feel like she is exploited you never feel like she has the kind of hardness that you would think a character like this would have and and she works christine baranski baranski i'm sorry is fantastic you, you know just you, you know just always fantastic as this over the top um actress you know kind of out of a sunset boulevard mm. type type acting acting that she does am i the only one that didn't know terrence stamp could be funny <laughs> terrence stamp as the head of this cult which is absolutely categorically not scientology is so dry. Yes. The scenes with him and Eddie Murphy's kinetic <laughs> Kit Ramsey. Yeah, yeah. Was 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 like a they were like small films within this film. Mm-hmm. So that I just I just really really love this film. I get you saying. Um, Eddie being um, really locked in here and um, 
creating two whole characters, as it were. Um, and I did enjoy that. Uh, it was interesting to read that he actually shot this film in between filming two other films. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like, wow. So they, I think they had like a six week window with him to get in. So it was almost like the movie. Right, like, right, right, right. You got right, me when you right, got me. Right, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I, I thought it was very interesting to, to see that because as Kit Ramsey, he is like balls to the wall, full of energy. He's popping, he's popping his lines. He is like, he's moving. He, he's, he's like almost cat-like in there with his movement. He's yeah. really wearing the role. Um, and then when he shows up, it's Jif. And to the movie's credit, you know, they hold back on that. It's like a, you're into the movie yeah. before he shows up in the other role. Um, and then you're like, oh, wow, that is like a whole nother deal. You know, even when that character, because of the the, the plot, is made to look like right. his brother. Right. Kit, you know, you still feel the difference. Um, yes, in the physicality. And I agree with you. I think it is so much more impressive when you can just physically show become like a different character as opposed to the prosthetics you liken it to jerry lewis and the nutty professor i'm thinking about it on a more subtle um uh depiction with christopher reeve when he was superman yeah you know Mm -hmm. versus his clark kent yeah where you actually could feel it's almost like two different people yeah in the way his body his body stature and everything like that so I did appreciate that with uh, Eddie Murphy in, in this film. Steve Martin, I've always been a huge fan of Steve Martin. Uh, I love almost almost every one of his movies. His movie, Roxanne, is in my top yeah. five of movies of all time. Yeah. I absolutely adore that movie. Um, so... I was in I'm in the bag for for Steve Steve Martin here and Frank Oz as you pointed out you know some people may know him primarily first off if you don't know uh missionaries he is the was a muppet uh, mm-hmm. um, one of the muppeteers mm-hmm. uh, Jim Henson's and the voice of Miss Piggy mm. in case you didn't know that um but he is a comp- he's an accomplished mm-hmm. director as you noted of some of the Muppet movies, but of comedy. And specifically in regards to this and talking about this film, two of the movies that he directed, which I absolutely adore. Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Yeah. Which he directs with Steve, Steve Martin, Martin and Michael Caine. Mm-hmm. And What About Bob? With yeah. Richard Vi- Dreyfus and... Um, Bill Murray. Mm-hmm. And especially in What About Bob? Because that is a movie where historically, and you can go look up the stories, Bill Murray and Richard Dreyfus hated each other. Yeah. They absolutely hated each other during the making of that movie. And if you watch that movie, that movie is one of the funniest movies around. I absolutely adore What About Bob. I absolutely adore Dirty Routins scoundrels and it's because both of them are funny satirical and have just a hint 
of a dark tone to them. Mm-hmm. Right. And this and that is the one thing that I think is missing from this movie, because it feels like there should be a list, just a little like it's, it's satirical, but satire, the best satire to me mm-hmm. lends itself to playing, playing with fire a little bit. Mm-hmm. And this movie I, it lights the match, but it doesn't play with the fire. I don't think, especially with the whole deal with you know, Minehead, aka not Scientology at all. Um, with the the little the, just the, the satire of Hollywood itself. You know, uh, the script says that like you know, forget all the budgets. Every movie can be made for two thousand one hundred and eighty four dollars. Yeah, everything else is just taxes, fees, and everything. All movies cost $2,184. Great line. There needs to be a little bit more of that. I, I, I keep wanting this movie to give me a little bit more of that bite. And I think the problem, the reason why it's not there, unfortunately, I have to lay at the hand of the writer, Steve Martin, who I just said, I absolutely adore. But in 1999, I think Steve Martin's at a point where maybe being a little bit too cute with his stories, mm. you know, playing it a little safe, mm-hmm. you know, because like you said, he's been around for a little bit at this point. He's still a star of of note, but his movies ain't jumping. You know, people ain't racing to the theaters for Steve Martin movies anymore at this time. And Eddie Murphy's presence, notwithstanding, they are co-stars, but in tone and feel, this is a Steve Martin movie that Eddie Murphy is in, mm-hmm. not an Eddie Murphy movie to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he's getting a, a plays a little bit too cute, and I want a little bit of that that edge. That was there in the jerk. That was there a little bit in Dead Man. Don't wear plaid, um, and that makes me like the movie. But I'm sitting, I'm sitting here waiting to just like really jump in. It doesn't help that he cast Jamie King. I can't stand Jamie King. I can't. Oh, I just ignored him. Jamie Kennedy. Jamie Kennedy. Yeah, Jamie, yeah, yeah. I just I pretended he wasn't even there. Yeah, well, he, but he's there a lot. So is it a lot? It's Jamie? enough. Oh yeah, I he's just... in the credits. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I can't get can't get down with him. I always forget he's in it. <laughs> Heather Graham. I like Heather Graham. Yeah, but admittedly, this is early Heather Graham. Yeah. So she's not as fully formed in this movie. Um, Christine Baranski. I absolutely adore Christine Baranski. Of course. And I think rightfully, she's in her own movie. Yes. In this movie. Sometimes literally. <laughs> literally. Yeah. Um, but it's not enough to save it. I think there still could have been like a little bit more bite there. Yeah. And, 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 and Frank Oz is a director from What About Bob, from Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, even some, some of his works with the Muppets, because the Muppets could, could, could walk that line a little mm-hmm. bit too. Um, that I think, I think the, 
you got the right director for it. But I think, honestly, he may have seen the script and, you know, it's Steve Martin. He's not going to rewrite Steve Martin. Okay, I'm going to... Let's make it happen. I think he maybe phones this one in a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think he phones in. He phones it in a l- little bit. I think, and and you said it. I think you're looking for what about Bob? But I think what you get is something more like Roxanne, because Roxanne doesn't have a bite. Roxanne doesn't like. I think no, it doesn't have a. I think this has. I think Steve Martin has this affection for Hollywood, mm-hmm. the fantasy of Hollywood. Okay. That this kindness, this gentleness that I'm talking about, mm-hmm. which you see as a lack of bite, mm-hmm. I would group this more with something like Roxanne. And I think, you, you know, I will grant you that because it has the veneer of a satire, mm-hmm. you're thinking that this bite is coming. But I don't know if that was ever. You don't think that was goal. His, his goal? I don't think that was I, the goal. I kind of think it is, man. And some of it, it, just in I like guess, just the loving, sweet, like even from the very beginning with this loving, lovingly sweeping shot of Bowfinger's apartment mm-hmm. where it looks like it like it looks like an apartment from 19 it's like a bungalow yeah like yeah, this yeah, yeah, old yeah, yeah. school old, bungalow right right Hollywood and, bungalow. and and there is this kind of throwback feel to the way hollywood looks yeah. throughout the film yeah that that you know even even the 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 um conceit that they're trying to put this movie together and sell it to the big wig producer played by Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. And you know, the bit with, with the hanging cord cause he pulled the, pulled the phone out of the car where I, I, it, it felt very gentle to me. But that's the thing. Yeah. But, but, but I think that was the point. Yeah. But, but, but like you said, if, if that's the point, then why wear this, the veneer of satire? Because I think it, I think that veneer, like you said, is there, and I think it's meant to be there. Then I'm, and I'm not saying go for the jugular, mm-hmm. but I'm saying then okay, then let's give give us the bite. Let's take the, the let's really bite a little bit into you know not Scientology, right? Let's um, let's go with it. Uh, let's take a. a, a a deeper stab at the whole inflated ego of the the late eighties, nineties action star. You know, <laughs> you don't think they stabbed that enough with pulling the gun and the KKKs in the script and like. Yeah, but that's early in the movie. Yeah, and it, 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 yeah. But then you lose that. But I then by the end, where he falls apart. Well, I mean, he, like, well, again, it's Eddie Murphy in both roles. Like you know, Kit Ramsey leaves the film. So, yeah. so you know, I don't know. I and just, then when he comes back, they actually drive him crazy. They do cry. Yeah, <laughs> like like you're talking about darkness. I I realized that this is actually gaslighting the film. Mm. Like they actually drove him crazy. I don't. 
<coughs> I don't know. One another thing, a piece of trivia. You probably saw this. This is kind of based on a real story. Yeah, 1927. <laughs> 1927. Mary Pickens. Yeah. People just following around. They made a around her. That's right. I love that. That is crazy. Look, I think there is a kind of person that loves Hollywood. And 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 it's it, it I as I'm sitting here talking about it, I'm kind of putting it together. Like you're talking about grouping this in and you're thinking it should be grouped with something like um what about Bob? But besides Roxanne, this feels like the Hollywood from the Muppet movie. Like, you know, again, this kind of timeless throwback kind of almost not quite sepia toned, mm. but this kind of haze of, of you, you know, again, the mythology of Hollywood. Yeah, I guess it does. I, 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 and, and maybe and maybe what it is, to be fair, mm-hmm. because it it does have a little bit of of like that it's not setting those tones but like you said with the whole bungalow it gives you a little bit of that Mm -hmm. feel perhaps i'm looking for the bite that's that you know what i'm looking for what i'm looking for get shorty that's what i'm looking for right which get shorty is a crime film disguised as a comedy but it is a satire yes it is a satire of hollywood right yeah right yeah maybe i'm looking at, uh, and it's not get shorty oh, at no, all no yeah oh, no yeah I'm look, but a few look, things are get shorty get shorty yeah top you, 10 yeah but you're talking about that bite yeah that, that sort of that yeah. bite there yeah yeah so so maybe you're right maybe i'm i'm because the I'm saying all of this. I would recommend the movie. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. because I did enjoy it. Mm-hmm. It's you know I just feel like I wanted more. Right. But I, but I did enjoy the movie. I it is funny. One of the funniest uh, scenes, comedy scenes of the '90s, is Jeff running across the expressway. That was so funny. And and again, talking about him vanishing in the role, I actually thought for a split second. Wow, I'm glad they're not trying to get Eddie Murphy to do this. Because, you know, Eddie Murphy, Eddie Murphy is way too much of a prima donna to even, you, you know, I'm like, at first I was like, well, how are they going to do the special effects? And I'm like, well, it's not Eddie Murphy doing it, it's Jif. Mm-hmm. It's like, wait a minute. Yeah, yeah. It's, so, I, I, at the end of the day, like I said, I would recommend Jif seeing Heather Graham's breast. <laughs> awesome. That 45 seconds of him responding, like just, Eddie Murphy is so funny. I've wanted to see a script for what did he, what, what I wrote it down. What is the script? Because another small, another uh, bit of vignettes, Kit Ramsey yelling at his white manager. (laughs) Him saying, find me the script for something called Buck the Wonder Slave <laughs> so that he could win an Oscar. Well, you you already hit, hit, hit on a bit 
where he counts the K's in the script. He counts the K's. It is four, it's 1,456. It's divided by, it's divided Look, by three. When that dude says to him, it's not Shakespeare, and he says, what? You see what he's doing? You see what he's doing? And his boy says, I see, I know he's doing something, but tell me what he's doing. He says, Shakespeare, 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 Shakespeare. He just called call me a, a spear chucker. <laughs> Come on, man. And again, Eddie Murphy is such a good sport to go along with. Mm -hmm. Because again, for those of you who don't really remember the 90s like this, this is the kind of thing that people used to say Eddie Murphy was like. Like he had this posse oh, and, posse. and you know, like it was this sort of veneer of anti-whiteness that people ascribed to him. And like, this is very much, and, and then just that kind of arrogance. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I just... It, it was just such a good sport. And I do wonder because, oh, it, I, it just left my hand because originally this one's supposed to be Eddie Murphy. No. Steve no. Martin wanted was Keanu it? Reeves. Keanu Reeves. And I wonder how much of this was rewritten for Eddie Murphy and how much Eddie Murphy kind of contributed and ad libbed. Because I think it can go either way. Well, I think, like, yeah. Like, I think Steve Martin is a good enough writer that he could have come up with Shakespeare, Spear Chucker. Mm -hmm. But I also think Eddie Murphy could have. <laughs> right. I got this part. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I'm so glad that he did the role. I would not, I could not see Keanu Reeves in this role. And mind you, the role would have looked different, but Keanu's energy just in general honestly the only other person i could see in this role who could play both roles like this oh. in 99 is tom cruise see i always you know what it's funny because of the sign the not scientology part he wouldn't have done that well he wouldn't have done it but that's why i always thought it was maybe a satire of him oh i oh i 100 percent think this is about tom cruise because, you know, I'm sure black people become Scientologists. Well, but, no. you, you know, Isaac Hayes is on the phone, apparently. Mm -hmm. But when we think about Scientology, it's this is some white people stuff. Yeah. So yeah. and then, you know, the big action star within the Scientology, who else is it but Tom Cruise? Yeah. It, it would have been Tom Cruise. I, I maybe maybe in this role in 99, Bruce Willis. Just thinking of somebody that maybe is Bruce Willis a good enough actor to do the, the to play the right. The I'm thinking about role. good enough actor to play dual roles. I know. I know. I'm, I'm thinking maybe I just see Tom Cruise. Oh, Tom Cruise could have. He, he would have killed it. He doesn't get the props that he deserves. He, not at he's all. A straight actor. Tom Cruise would have killed this. He would have killed it. Yeah. But I'm thinking the only other person maybe uh, of at that time. You know, I don't think Bruce Willis could have pulled this off. Maybe, probably not. Like, like again, who else besides Tom Cruise could have played both roles? Yeah, you're right. You know what? Now that I think about it, because I don't think that Bruce Willis would have had the fun with himself. Bruce Willis. I mean, I don't. I mean, I think he. I also don't think Bruce Willis is a good enough actor. And I love Bruce Willis. I don't think Bruce Willis could have played these dual roles. You know, at the height of his powers. Powers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Would you recommend Bowfinger? I would. I would recommend Bowfinger. I think um, 
I, I think you 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 know in in one of the um one of our postings you you said you know is this Eddie Murphy's last great role or this that and other but but I do think you have this pocket mm-hmm. where it's like this and life and it was something else that I saw that was closer to this film than not. Uh, I can tell you. Let me look it up because. He was. I thought there was a third film in there where I was like, oh, yeah, that was a good Eddie Murphy movie, too. He was. What was he filming around in this time, which was 1999? Yeah, I don't think it was anything super good. <laughs> Say that. He was doing. Um, mm, hmm. Hmm. Well, this is not his. Full filmography. That's why I'm not. I'm like, wait a minute. I'm not even seeing. I'm not even seeing life. In 1999, he he releases Bowfinger and Life. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then after that is or before that, after or before. Life is before both Bowfinger. Okay. Uh, because he's filming Life at the same time. That's okay. When he's got the six week break from, uh, and then he is doing uh, Nutty Professor Two. Okay. Yeah, another professor too, and that's followed by Shrek. Right. So, and then his 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 filmography takes a downward turn. Right. Right. Well, after look, when Shrek her. hits, part of the reason takes a downward turn. He hit, you don't need no more. He money. spends so much energy trying to swim through all the money, <laughs> trying to get to the set. Good lord! You ever hear Chris Rock tell the story? Like, like that's why he did Madagascar. Eddie Murphy said, you better make some of this cartoon money. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. I don't blame him. Yeah. I don't blame him, man. Good uh, I wanted to touch on uh, one thing, you, other thing you said earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, you put in a pin a little bit about Jerry Lewis. Yes. You said Nutty Professor is your favorite Jerry Lewis movie. Yeah. I, I, Nutty Professor leaves me cold. Why? Um, because... I quickly soured on Jerry Lewis mm-hmm. because he, especially once you start reading stories about comedy, which I, I was sure, a sure, fan of comedy, absolutely and I read the stories and yeah. and I know about how why him and Dean broke up and right. stuff like that. Um, so Jerk Lewis became mm-hmm. like, like like I just didn't dig. But the oh, I'm glad we're talking about because something I wanted to mention. Go ahead. But the Nutty Professor, I, 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 I always found, I always found it like just, a, I don't know, just a, a little bit too rough, like the mm. Buddy Love, and and like you said, you're saying that you think he's doing a little bit of uh, introspection of mm-hmm. him, of himself. I don't think the man is that introspective enough, especially not at that time, to do that. But I think he's blind enough to not realize that he actually is doing doing about himself. Yeah, on there, and it it just leaves me cold. My favorite Jerry Lewis movie, and I don't return to any of them now. But if I were to return to any any of them, would be The Bellhop. That's is that where he plays the different version? Oh no, the bellhop Bell. is where he plays. Well, you know, I also like the one where he plays the different versions with the little girl. Oh and he yeah, ends up adopting. What's yeah. that called? 
I, I, oh God, I think this. Uh, I know we've talked about this before because nobody likes this movie but me. <laughs> yeah, got me jumping through. I know filmography. You would here. think I would know it off the top of my head since I'm the only one on earth that likes it. Yeah, I don't even think Jerry likes it anymore. Yeah. Uh, Jerry Lewis, his filmography. I know the movie that you. Yeah, know, and it's it's not a good movie. Um, where's this? Where's this career? Come come on! Oh God. It takes you so. Admittedly, he's had such an uh, amazing career. It takes you mm-hmm. a while to get to his his freaking filmography, um, which we have to. The Family Jewels. The Family Jewels. I like the Family Jewels. Yeah. 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 But speaking of Jerry Lewis, did you hear the Jerry Lewis news? Oh, about the the, the clown, the, the that, clown that cried. They're going to show it. Yeah, but they haven't said where. They haven't said where when. and and, and, and well, how many. It's supposed to happen like in the spring. Yeah, and how many people are going to see it and this, that, and the other. For those of you that don't know, The Clown That Cried is the infamous Nazi clown movie that Jerry Lewis made. And the the, the plot, I think, I mean, the plot, it, the plot is out, right? Yeah. Like the plot has always been that Jerry Lewis plays a clown, a Jewish, clown. a Jewish clown at a concentration camp who amuses kids and people before they are executed. Yes. And and infamously, it has been sealed up by Jerry, by Jerry. And over the years, you know, you hear People say I saw snippets of it. Some people have seen it. People have seen it, but it's always something real. You know, it was three in the morning. I was in the unnamed producer's mansion in the basement, Mm -hmm. and he smuggled out a copy. Well, and I saw it. It reportedly is not a completed film. Yeah, um, but it's it's enough that you can can see everything. The one person who I I believe that actually. He says he saw it. I believe he saw it. Is Harry Shear, the voice of um, Homer Simpson, mm-hmm. um, and he says he says it's it's something like you know he's not going to say good or bad about mm-hmm. it. Um, but yeah, the story is out that Jerry Lewis had entered worked worked up some type of agreement with uh, I forget if it was the company or whomever that this movie w- would be able to be screened in 2024 right um and i think they said that it's supposed to be like july but there was no at least as far as we know there's been no indication like you said of 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 how it will be screened Mm -hmm. or or even once it's screened will there be a wider release right right Right. you want to see it oh my god yes i I do want to i Dog, you got to. It's like the what is it? The magnificent Amberson's missing footage, and yeah, and you know they say like like they have the storyboards of King Kong fighting the giant spiders, mm-hmm. but they didn't film it. Mm-hmm. Like, it, like this is like you got if you get a chance, like you gotta see it. It is one of those yeah film holy grail. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So we'll see. All right, ladies and gentlemen. All right. That has been our review. What's what, what 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 better way to end a black film review than talking about an old film legend of about Jewish Jer- clowns. Of Jewish clowns and Jerry Lewis? How else would we end? Welcome to twenty twenty four. Yeah, still on that bullshit. <laughs> 
Before we tell you what we're going to be reviewing next week, ladies and gentlemen, I invite you to like and follow the Michelle Mission on the social media of your choice, whether it be Instagram, X, or Facebook. At Michelle Mission, you can follow us. Become a follower. Better yet, subscribe to the Michelle Mission on YouTube at Michelle Mission and hit that bell so you can be notified of when we put up new videos. I put up new videos today. There's a video up there about Kevin Hart um, should do more, can do more. He uh, can. See what Vince has to, t- to say about it. Um, there's also a new Six Degrees of Dervell Martin video up there on the Michelle Mission on YouTube. Subscribe and tell a friend, why don't you? Mm-hmm. Tell a friend that this is of, and I looked this up, Vincent. Okay. Looked this up today. Of the close to 113,000 documented TV and film podcasts out in the United States, the Michelle Mission is number 158. Wow. So we're almost in the top 10%. Yes. Well, right. we we are like right there. Okay. We are right there, man. All right. So tell a friend. Tell a friend. Tell Give an a, enemy. Yeah. Tell them all. Let's tell them all. Get into the top hundred. Yeah. Make it. Let's make it yeah. happen. All right. All right. The Michelle Mission is also a proud member of the Podglomerate. Thepodglomerate.com. They make podcasts work, such as ours, which streams to you live. Every Tuesday night from Young Junk, Philadelphia's premier video podcast, Palace, go to Dylan at YoungJunk.com. That's right. Email Dylan at YoungJunk.com so that you can book yourself into one of the fabulous studios here at Young Junk Central. And Vincent, I was just doing the tally with with, um, Dylan before we started. They've got a podcast going on in pretty much every studio here. I like multiple that. podcasts in some of the other studios. All right. A matter of fact, multiple podcasts in all of the other studios. All right. Except this one. Oh, that's because nice. this is the Michelle Studio. It is. So it y'all is. can book your time at Young Junk and you can take a picture of our set. But they've got other sets that just as beautiful. They're just as beautiful. Just as beautiful. They just don't have us. No. Because it'd be weird. <laughs> I mean, it would be. It'd be weird. Fair enough. It'd be weird. It would be. It's like a Big Brother esque picture of us <laughs> looking for everyone. We're judging you. <laughs> oh, next week on the Michelle. Why did my voice crack? Next week on the Michelle Mission, ladies and gentlemen. It's still cracking. <clears throat> Next week on the Michelle Mission. Oh, Lord. <laughs> we stay in the year of 1999. Okay. It's my turn. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. Len has selected a film starring another black comedian. Yes. A black comedian who heretofore has been underserved on the mission. Mm-hmm. Until That's true. now. That's true. Next week, we delve into the filmography of Martin Lawrence, mm-hmm. starting with Blue Streak. Blue Streak. All right. Next week here on the Michelle Mission, 
Until then, he's Vince, I'm Len, and in parting, we say, we'll see you when it's time to meet again. The Michelle Mission is produced by Len Webb and Vincent Williams and edited by Len Webb with co-production by Mo Poplar, music by Alexa Gold, and filmed at the Video Content Factory. The Michelle Mission is a proud member of the Podglomerate Podcast Network. <laughs>